most of human history, people have parented the way their parents and grandparents did, with culture providing the cues. We call this Parenting 1.0. For various reasons, parents began to question these approaches, and we started turning more and more to so-called experts to learn to parent. This was the beginning of Parenting 2.0. This allowed for some real advances, but also a lot of confusion as we got further and further away from our natural parenting instincts. Parenting 3.0 is about reclaiming those instincts and integrating them with our current understanding of child development. It brings together the wisdom of the past with the best scientific and psychological research of the present. Parenting 3.0 isn't a fad or a quick fix. It's a set of principles that allows us to engage with our kids and life from an informed and empowered place. I'm Jai Flicker. And I'm Deb Blum. Welcome Welcome to to Parenting Parenting 3.0. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're on the topic still of self-determination theory, and today we're going to be talking about motivation again. The last time we talked about motivation, it was really about the two ends of the spectrum, Right, we were talking about intrinsic motivation and we were talking about um, a motivation, right, exactly. And then we said that we would talk this time more about these, the nuances of motivation or like the the, the aspects of motivation, the four the categories middle, well, of motivation. the middle of the continuum. The middle of the continuum. Just as a recap, on the one hand, just being totally unmotivated, yep. you know, a motivation just sitting there unable to even get yourself to do it anything on mm-hmm. the in the most extreme version and then on the far other side is intrinsic motivation where we want to just do it cuz it's fun yep and those are sort of the two bookends but then in the middle is this range of extrinsic motivation that has to do with doing things because well, for a range of reasons, but mm-hmm. the, doing things, still doing things, but not necessarily because they're just intrinsically enjoyable. And and there's right. a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of life that involves doing things that we don't necessarily want to do, but that we feel are important to do or that we need to do or that we should do. And these right. are all the different gradations of, of, of different things qualities of motivation that we're going to be breaking down today i think it's um it's really helpful to know that that different there are different kinds of um extrinsic motivations and they have different impacts yeah yeah, I think when I didn't know that, do you remember the time that we, we talked about it a long time ago? I don't know. Remind yeah, me. well, I didn't know that. And I really felt uh, at one point you had said something about one of my sons and that you didn't, you didn't say it quite like this, but you said something that made me realize that he was extrinsically motivated in mm, school. Mm. And, and I remember thinking that the only kind of motivation that is good is intrinsic motivation is uh, what I had in my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so then once I understood that motivation 
that that the extrinsic motivation isn't inherently bad and that we actually do need to be extrinsically motivated in some areas of our lives. Once I understood that, it was a real relief for me. Yeah, me too, actually. Because, well, the interesting thing is that for many categories of life, and, and this comes out of the self-determination theory research itself, um, extrinsic motivation is actually more effective than intrinsic mm. motivation. And the example that, that really brought this home to me was voting. Mm. And they said they did this uh, study on on politics and interest and how d- different people were motivated in the likelihood of following through at the at the voting booth in mm. the voting booth. And basically, you know, they found that people who were extrinsically motivated were more likely to actually vote than people mm. who were intrinsically motivated to follow politics. And, and it kind of at first it didn't make sense to me. Because if you really love politics and you're really interested in it and you're like constantly following it, you would think, okay, you're going to go vote. But um, actually, the voting part is not the fun part necessarily. Mm. Like if you are if you are really believing in a candidate and you're trying to get them over the you know over the hump, you you then there's maybe some intrinsic motivation. But in terms of just like going to the polls and like waiting in line and maybe it's raining and it's not necessarily fun it's more of a mm. civic duty right and and following through on civic duty often is needs to come from without yes <laughs> instead of within yeah i mean kind of like going to the gym like we yeah. talked about yeah a couple episodes ago yeah so i think that you know, that is the sort of holy grail is mm. under, really understanding healthy extrinsic motivation because yeah. oftentimes intrinsic motivation from a parent's perspective is can be negative because the things that kids are in, intrinsically motivated to do, like say play video games or chat with friends or, you know, hang out with friends and um, are, are getting in the way of them doing their schoolwork or, or following through on their responsibilities. Right. So um so so then the parents feel compelled, I think many do, to step in and say, hey, you gotta get your work done. You gotta follow mm-hmm. through on your on your responsibilities, your house your your chores around the house, whatever. Yeah. And um and so then that's that's coming from outside the the teen of course or the or the child. And that's extrinsic. Yeah. But the but what we're going to talk about today is that there are four different categories of or types of extrinsic motivation. Yeah. And they have very different looks and feels and signatures and 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 um, side effects. Yeah. And for people who are more visual. Yeah. We will put a link. Yeah. Uh, in the show notes, that actually is to a PDF that you can download, and you might even want to print it off. I mean, maybe while we're talking or afterwards, just to yeah. to s- understand it. Because for me, when I look at it, it, it actually does help me to see the act the, the actual continuum. Yeah. Versus it just being four categories. I I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's helpful to see it kind of listed out. Yep. So, um, should we dive in? I think we should dive in. Okay. So 
we're going to go from, if you're following along at home <laughs> on the printout, from left to right. And this continuum, as you move from left to right, goes from more externally regulated to more internally regulated. Okay. And what does that mean? It means whether your, um, your actions, right? This is all about motivating people to take action, whether that motivation is coming from outside or it's coming from inside. And so this is the thing is like, you can, when, when somebody goes to do their civic duty, that's not necessarily intrinsic motivation because you're not doing it because it's fun. You're doing it because it is important. Yeah. And so it's still there. It's still considered extrinsic motivation, but it is internally what they call regulated mm-hmm. because you're, you're still to use this phrase that we've, we've talked a little bit about in the past your actions are still self-endorsed yeah, or, or are extremely self-endorsed. You're like, I don't want to do this because it's fun, but I do feel aligned with doing it. Yeah. Whereas on the far other side, if, if somebody else is sort of forcing you to do something, then you're doing it, but you're not self-endorsed. You're, you're kind of, whether you're conscious of this or not, you're uh, some part of you is thinking, man, I really, I, I don't feel good about doing this, but I'm going to do it because the alternative is sort of worse. The punishment that I might get, I, I just, I'm, tr- I'm doing it to avoid the punishment, not because I feel like this is the right thing to do. Right. Or, or like in the case of a teen, sometimes it's the only way I'm going to be able to get to do the thing I want to do. There's yes. a, often that yeah. too. So, so it's this idea that's that the like, reward side, I guess. Yeah. 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 So this is a very common, you know, this this external regulation where it's basically rewards and punishments, right? And and our whole society is is built on this. I mean, mm-hmm. in, I mean or it's maybe it's not built on it, but it is very common, right? Yeah. There's laws and if you break the law, you get punished. Mm-hmm. And there's Jobs, and if you do your job, you get rewarded, you get paid. And so, this is a very common um, form of regulation or of, of motivation. And so, yeah. you know, there's for kids, there's reward charts and uh, timeouts or, or other kinds of punishments. Yeah. Um, we're going to take thing, we're going to take that thing that you like away from you, or we're going to, you know, give you it, give you something that you do want if you, if you behave yeah do you remember dr phil used to say you have to learn what your kid's currency is he probably still says it but like what's their currency and then that's what you use and yeah yeah and it sounded really like a logical thing at some point you know it sounded it made a lot more sense until i think we started to understand it better and understand its limitations and yeah well if you're going to engage in external regulation if you're going to ex- engage in rewards and punishments in order to be effective yes you do need to understand the currency because if you're <clears throat> you know if you're like if you don't do this no 
no peppermint tea for you. <laughs> you know, I like, nah, can live without it. <laughs> right. Or I don't know. It's a silly example, but you know, yeah. or, if, or Hey, if you, if you on the other side, on the sort of reward side, if you go, if you do this, I will let you, uh, I will let you crochet as long as much as you want. <laughs> Yeah. Two hours of crocheting for you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if we don't understand the currency, yeah, that's not going to be effective. Um, the problem going... This this comes from Gordon Neufeld, attachment theorist, who we've talked much about in earlier episodes. He says the problem with rewards and punishments is not that they don't work. It's that they do work that's the problem is that they do work and so it's very tempting to use them in fact not only tempting it's very common they are it's almost hard to not use them yeah and so and and i don't think the goal here is to say we should never use those either those that method i think the goal here is to have a more well-rounded understanding of Mm. them and Mm. what the downsides because the upside, if it does work, is that you get compliance and that's good. Mm-hmm. But the main downside is there's well, there's a couple. One is that you're you, if you, you you the the more you use it, you the more you're reinforcing in that child a sort of a split, an inner split yeah. between what they actually want to do and what you want, what you're telling them to do, right? So that split is is not ideal. And um, the other thing is, it's it's kind of a high maintenance approach because without the basically without the presence of the reward or punishment, the behavior changes. Yeah, and this is kind of how the researchers figured this out because what they did was they had this experiment. This was like the, the doorway into this whole realm. They had, they did this experiment where they had these college students come in and play with a puzzle and half the kids were paid a dollar per puzzle that they solved. And half the kids were not. And the other, the kids that were not were told, Hey, if you, you know, we're just trying to see how many puzzles you can you can get through in eight minutes or whatever and so they they gave both groups this puzzle and then the college students made as many as they could and some got paid and some didn't and then the real experiment began after the time limit was up and what they what the researchers were doing was they wanted to see if people would continue playing with the puzzle after the clock had run out. And so so there was like a, a coffee table of magazines there. And so then they'd say at the end of the time limit, okay, the time's up. So um, we're going to go uh, get the results. We'll be right back. And they would leave the student alone in the room. And they found that the people who had been paid were far more likely after the experimenter left to to look at the magazines mm-hmm. and the people who were not being paid were far more likely to continue playing with the puzzle. Mm. And, and so this was, this went against 
the current paradigm and the, the paradigm that still definitely prevails, it's like, well, if you pay someone, they're going to be more motivated than if they are um, not paid. But as soon as you take away the the payment, the reward, yeah. it had a negative impact on on that motivation. It wasn't just that you dropped back down to baseline after the money was not being given. It actually went down. Yeah. So. And if I recall, this yeah. even showed up in brain scans. So when they did MRIs of people, mm. the, this wasn't the exact example, but it was the one where they did the same thing as you described, but then they had them come back in another time. Mm. And then, and like a, like a week later, the same kids, but the ones who got paid were no longer getting paid. And then they tracked their brains and they were able to see that the reward center in their brain, it actually didn't light up in the one who got paid the first time, yeah. but didn't get paid the second time. Yeah. So that's the thing is like, you know, if you want your kids to behave as long as they're being overseen but not behave when they're not then then that's a good strategy (laughs) yeah yeah but we're not necessarily teaching them a long-term more sustainable way of of like how to be in the world and i just want to emphasize the part about the split because that that is really important and when we talk about attachment theory you know part of attachment is really encouraging our children to be their most authentic selves and it's hard because there are times when we need them to be compliant for some reason and there are many times in parenting you know whether it's as simple as putting your socks on and as big as, you know, doing your college applications, right? You know, there's all, there's this whole range of ways that we want our kids to know how to be in the world. I think understanding motivation is helpful because if we want to do this in a more sustained way, then we need to actually have these conversations with our kids. And we have to be honest with them that there are going to be things that you do that are just so easy for you to do, like playing video games or playing with your friends or calling a friend or whatever it is. And that there are also things that this is just part of life, that there are actually going to be things that you don't really want to do, but that we still have to be, it's like the the pro-social and kind of pro i don't know what the other word is for it but like productivity or something like that like the the way to just be a citizen of the world does mean that we sometimes have to do things we don't want to do and it seems to me like my invitation is that we we actually engage in those conversations with kids at a younger age in instead of just um making the assumption that our kids actually um need a reward or a punishment to get things done like I just found that my kids, I, we did do some, but I found that for the most part, a lot of times I was just able to get the kids to do things by making it fun, by you know, helping them to understand what we're going to do, you know, which is still a form of extrinsic motivation, right? It's still a form of yeah, extrinsic yeah. motivation because it's still, but it's just less coercive. Mm-hmm. It's not the controlling form yeah. of it. So I'm, I guess why I'm saying it is just, I'm, I'm kind of calling attention to this idea that if there, there are two pieces, one is creating a more sustainable model for our children so that they have the potential to be able to live up to their own expectations in life. Second 
is the part about the split and just and just cautioning all of us that when we do look at this from the place of us trying to manipulate their behaviors to get them to obey and then we do it through rewards and punishments that we do often miss the conversation piece we miss really understanding why they weren't doing it in the first place you know often a kid's not doing something and there's a really good reason now i have actually had times where no joke i have tried to i remember when the kids were little a time trying to put the kids shoes on and one of them was like freaking out and i was like really genuinely losing it yeah you know i was like losing it why (laughs) will you not do it (laughs) and then i found something in their shoe oh (laughs) and i felt so bad because they were they couldn't they were they didn't know what they were too young to fully explain Mm -hmm. why every time i put the shoe on yeah (laughs) they were like crying and so yeah like if we don't understand why they're not doing something then we're really just steamrolling them. Yeah. You know? And so that's why my my invitation to people is, and I think your invitation too, would be just like to get into conversation around a lot of these things. A lot of things don't, we, we almost have to give our kids way more credit that there's a reason why they're not doing it. Let's try to understand what it is. And often we can get through this and then we can get cooperation without having to, you know, or the thing that you're so great at, I, I think is like, Sometimes it's just connection. It's yeah, simply yeah. that they need a moment to connect, that they needed a transition time or they needed something a little bit different. And I know so many parents are so good at this because I know parents who talk to me about things like, well, yeah, we had to real we had to realize that he needs longer transitions. And so I know a lot of parents are doing this, but that's just how my thoughts around, you know, why what the like risks are of rewards and punishments. Yeah. And I think it 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 is warranted at this point to kind of say that um, getting, you know, having the conversation with a child of, of whatever age about the fact that there are things in life that are not necessarily fun, but that are worthwhile mm-hmm. is, is, is not only important, it's, I think, one way to help make that communication more effective comes from self-determination theory. Because competence is, as we mm. talked about in, in our first self-determination theory episode, is one of the three fundamental human needs. And so applying oneself fully to something, even if it's not fun even if it's not intrinsically motivating um can be deeply satisfying mm-hmm. and 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 i think that pointing that out is actually more effective than just saying hey sometimes there's things in life you ha- that that you just have to do that you're not going to like mm-hmm. deal with it <laughs> you know what i mean i, I mean there is there is actually a sort of a buddhist version of that which is you know the four noble truths of like you know life is suffering or life is i like i sometimes like a better or like better the translation or the idea that life is unavoidably 
contains suffering. Mm-hmm. Life unavoidably contains suffering, or because it's not equal to it. But anyway, the 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 next move is like this suffering can be, in a sense, transcended by accepting, by accepting it, by coming to terms with it. And so there is there is some wisdom in there of like, hey, life is hard. Deal with it, but it. But <clears throat> I think there is. It's really actually hard for me to articulate. Maybe by talking about it here, we we can tease this out. But what's the difference between saying, "Hey, life is you know, there's going to be things in life you don't like. Deal with it," versus saying, "Hey, life is there's some unavoidable hardships in life, and the best way to." make those things no longer hardships is to accept them. Mm-hmm. They seem on on the surface, on one level, they seem very similar and on another, they have a totally different feeling tone. And, and, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe we just leave it at that, but, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious why it feels so different to me. I guess the only thing I can think is that one is sort of like, Hey, it's your problem. Just deal with it. The other mm-hmm. is like, I'm here to teach you how to best meet the challenges, the inevitable challenges of life. Mm. Maybe that's maybe yeah. that's it. The second one feels more a little bit more um, like I put my arm around the person and said, like, we're in this together. This is like we're we're in it together. Like, this is how it is. And like, we can we can do it. We can do this. And it, I think it's relate. It's much more um, relational. It's also more supportive and it also is, when you speak about competence, it's really like a place where I think children, I think humans really crave understanding themselves better. And I think it gives, it's like a place where a kid gets to better understand themselves. Mm -hmm. So, and they get to understand that they're not in this alone, that this is kind of like, this is the human way. The other one, I I picture the other one happening more out of frustration. Yeah. You know, like I picture it happening, like the kid's not doing what you're, what you want him to do. And you're just like, listen, you've, just do I know it. you don't want to do it. I get it. Get I over know, it. But get over it. Like we all have to do those things sometimes. Yeah. And it's coming from the place of like the, it's like the shadow side almost. Like it's almost like the shadow side of the same thing. Yeah. And one is the light of like, it's just, it's true. And it's, and it might seem hard and bad sometimes, but we all do this and we're going to figure it out together. And the other one has that sense of like resenting the fact that we have to do things we don't want to do. And like, yep. You know what? I had to do it, and you do too. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> and I think as I'm listening to you, it's helping me reflect. I think there's an element where the one, the light is 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 still other focus. It's like I'm saying, if I'm in a position where I'm saying that, I'm saying it because I want to help that other person mm-hmm. um, meet their challenge more effectively. Whereas in the frustration moment, I'm saying it because I have a need. I have a need for them to just. I'm, I have a need for them to comply and I'm yeah. trying to get them to just get over themselves so mm-hmm. that they do what I want. Oh yeah. 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 So that's what that feels like. It's, it definitely is like one is the, the, like the supportive one. And one of them feels like it's, it comes back to again, trying to control the situation. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. That was good. <laughs> that was a fun little exploration. <laughs> so, so 
in another another important clarification at this point i think that is warranted has to do with you know setting boundaries because um whenever almost every time i've talked about this general subject with parents they they kind of you know swing to the far extreme oh well if i'm not gonna like do rewards and punishments or especially the punishments part i guess i should just let my kids run completely wild and have no say in anything that they do ever (laughs) something like i mean yeah i'm exaggerating a teensy bit right (laughs) and um what i have to say about that is that no that is not what this means nor is is what it implies it's because um there's a difference between a a punishment and a boundary Mm -hmm. and saying um if you do this i'm gonna um you know if you if you if you you can play video games for an hour but if you play for more, if I find out you played for more than an hour, I'm going to take away your video games for a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty reasonable thing. I mean, uh, it's not like some super harsh punishment. It's kind of reasonable. But there's a difference between the boundary part, which is like, hey, you can play for an hour and then that's it. That's the setting the boundary. And then there's how do you enforce that boundary? And the punishment would be, taking the the thing away another way to do it would be to say hey like um you you know we talked about this we had an agreement that you were going to play for an hour and you i found out you played for two and so i want to talk to you about that um like and let's talk about the reasons why we made that agreement and that's just off the top of my head one example it doesn't breaking the the agreement or 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 not complying with the boundary doesn't automatically have to lead to a punishment. Right. And I think that the the difference between the two is one is one has the desire to impact behavior in a much like with a with more urgency, mm-hmm. with more of a short term this needs to happen now, you know, we need to change. We need to change this behavior. Yeah. And the other one goes to the place of a more like a longer arc of of learning. And it really kind of it it sort of like reaches for understanding and understanding our children and ourselves better. And it has more of the idea that I know that learning this is going to take some time and then I'm patient and I'm with you. And we're going to figure this out together. And so this is a boundary and this is important to us, but that we know that it might take weeks before you're able to really understand this. And you're, and I want you to not only understand why this is good for me, like I want this for you, but I would also like to explore it enough so that you can see how it might even be good for you, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever your, your reasons. I mean, that, that happened to been the video game one, but it can be, ha- it can be over a lot of different types of conversations. And I know for me, I had to let go of the idea that my, just because I want something to be true, doesn't mean that it will be true. 
for example. Like just because I want my kids to comply doesn't mean that they will comply. Just uh-huh. because I, you know, so <laughs> that I'm I have said this before, and I think that it's really important for us to not argue with reality. And it does take time for human beings to learn and to change. And I think in some ways we expect from our children something that we can't even do for ourselves. Like if I want to make a change in my life, it usually takes me time. I usually mess up a whole bunch of times before I actually stick with whatever it is that I'm trying to do. And um, I mean, I have to be in, it it takes, it, it it tends to take a long time. I think for humans to change and often I think we want our kids to change you know like we decided that that we're done with this so boom we're just you know we're done you know we decided that we don't want our child to sleep in our bed anymore and we just one day we're just like okay that's not happening anymore and what wait a second what and so the more we can bring our kids into conversations and into um you know into the process and engage them and create a more autonomy supportive process for them, I think the better it is. I know for me, over and over again, that was the more effective way to do it, but it did require more patience and it did require me to slow down. And I know it also required me to get rid of all my expectations. Like it got, I hear people say all the time, you know, I tell them, over and over again to do this thing and I've decided that you know what I have zero tolerance anymore I tell them one time and that's it they get one time and I think oh you know what I get that like on some level I really get that and there were times I wished I had done that because I was frustrated but mostly I realized like I just had to tell myself like what if it what if it actually takes 900 times for them to learn this what if it's really 900? Like I've created this arbitrary idea that if I've told them, if I've if I've told them they need to brush their teeth before they go to bed, and I've done that with them five days, and that should be that I've decided that that should be enough, you know. And then it's like, no, how do I know what number it takes? And so it's a lot of moving away. I think from like a more controlling means of motivation means that we have to let go of the idea that we know best and that we have we know exactly the time frame. For, for how something should happen and, and when it should happen and how it should happen. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying yeah, about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> obviously, something like brushing your teeth is important. And so, you know, in that sense, I mean, I guess the phrase, we whether we know best, I could see someone saying, well, brushing our teeth, of course we should brush our teeth. Yeah, so I see what you're saying, but I think you can say that about everything. You could take almost anything and say, I, of course I know whether my kids should play video games for one hour versus an hour and a half. Of course I know it's not good for them. But you, but I, I just invite people to question, I don't know, because even the brushing the teeth, yeah. I think if it's going to damage your relationship and your children have baby teeth and they are learning the process of brushing their teeth, I really truly believe mm. that if you really if you if you didn't brush your their teeth for if they didn't brush their teeth, you know, they only brush their teeth every other night for a little while because that's all that you could do. I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. So I know what you're saying, but we I think we overuse that we know best. Mm. I do. I, I really believe we overuse that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because 
if you're if you get sort of fixated on brushing teeth every night it is going to happen and because i know that that's like what you should do and because then um you know it could if you're if you're compromising the relationship and you're getting super controlling and making them hate it it's it sort of gets into a vicious cycle well then they want to do it less and then you have to use more control and this is this really is the problem with controlling approaches is that it requires it's sort of like an arms race it just Mm. keeps building and then you have to use more coercion and control and force and threat to and it just at at some point i don't know like at some point usually we hit our own insane breaking point of like man i've upped the 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 stakes on this thing that really actually then we come to our sense and we go it does it really matter if yeah. my child with baby teeth skips brushing her teeth or his teeth this one night? Yeah. Is that really such a big deal that I'm willing to like go to the mat over this? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's a great clarification yeah. on that. Um, okay. That is just the first. And, and there's the first leads to the second mm-hmm. form of, motivation it's called introjected motivation and it's probably a word that it's a word that most people i don't it's not a very common word most people probably Mm -hmm. haven't heard it but what it means is when we take external forms of treatment towards us and we internalize those yeah so basically if we've been if we've been if we've grown up in a situation where we've been exposed to punishments and rewards, we might then, and it's not just punishments and rewards, let's say controlling um, yeah. forms of motivation. And then we internalize that we're going to be fo- using control towards ourselves. Mm-hmm. So this form of motivation is tricky because from the outside, it could look like the person is very aligned with, with what they're doing, but internally they're, they're sort of being harsh taskmasters towards themselves. And I think mm-hmm. this this manifests itself as anxiety a lot because it's like very stressful to be that feel that controlled even it's from even if it's from your own self. Yeah. So this is called introjected motivation and it's really tricky because it's it, it can look so similar to other forms of what I'll say is frankly healthier motivation yeah um so the simple way to think about it is like you have these external forces that are controlling and then you internalize them and you perpetrate them on yourself and i think that's how honestly most of our society works i mean this is why in an earlier episode i kept saying like hey we don't understand motivation very well at all because most people, I think, when when we think, okay, I'm just going to do it, I'm going to force myself to do it, that is actually an introjected form of motivation. Right. And yeah. and it's one step above somebody else coming and going like, if you don't work, if you don't go to the gym, you know. Right. Or Yeah, exactly. You know, it makes me think about how we're impacted by um, external forces like the media and other mechanisms of of um, 
of control, if you will? Like, are those, is that what happens as it becomes in, interjected? Like if I, yeah. if I, as an example, like the gym is a good one, just be like the, the, the sort of pressure just by reading articles that say that it's really healthy to work out or the doctor says that you should work out and all these other, it doesn't, it, you know, just, I'm just clarifying that it's not just parents. A hundred percent. You know, so there are all ways that we are being influenced all the time in these rewards and punishments and the rewards and punishments by society can be far more subtle it can be like are you going to be accepted into this group you know so do i act this way you know am i acceptable am i um beautiful Mm. you know am i healthy and there are all these other ways and that we and there and there's that interjected aspect of it that i then internalize it of like i should do more of that. I should wear makeup yeah. because I'll look more beautiful. Yeah. I should buy those clothes that I can't even afford because that's what everyone's, you know, everyone's wearing Lululemon, you know, <laughs> pants or something. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like there's a way that this interjected piece of it enters yeah. in ways that we're not even aware of probably. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the classic, you know, idea is peer pressure, right? Other peer pressure can be very active, like, oh, come on, just everyone's doing it. Or it could just be like, I'm trying to fit in. And yeah, so, so yeah, so, so you have this extrinsic, this, sorry, this external regulation, and then you have this introjected Mm -hmm. version of that. And those are both on, more on the controlling side of this continuum. There are two other forms of extrinsic motivation that are more, more. They move more toward the internal, right? They yes. sort of move toward. Yes, the... they are. Yes, even though they are still, there. It's not about doing it just because the thing itself is fun. It is mm, the motivation is coming from within. Yeah. In the first version, which is somewhat internal, is called identified regulation. Now, the names of these are not necessary to memorize. It's they're just there to be able to talk about them. So mm-hmm. that's I don't want anyone to be like, oh, God, I got to remember all these right. names. It's more of just the concept. For me, at least, it's the concept yeah, of sure. like the concept. like the controlling versus the internal. Right. Yeah. And and. Basically, when we say, hey, look, you know what? And, and we talked about this during that, you know, sort of role play around going to the gym mm-hmm. two episodes ago. Yeah. Um, that one of the techniques you will use is to focus on the reasons why the yeah. larger vision. Like, hey, this matters to me. I want to be healthier. It, I always feel better after I go. And mm-hmm. these are so so this is this is considered somewhat internal because you're still trying to kind of get yourself to do it, but you're not saying, you know, um, I'll, you know, I'll give you a reward, you know, I'll, I'll pay you to do it or, or I'll punish you if you don't, you're saying these are real. So they, they, they call it conscious valuing personal importance. It's like, these are actual reasons that I want to do the thing. Mm hmm. The the farthest on the internal side of regulation of motivation is is called integrated motiv- uh, regulation, and that is when you ha- you know you, if you're stuck kind of 
rationalizing with yourself. It still there feels like something's missing. And and I think our again, going back to episodes when we talked about you going to the gym, there was a part of you that didn't want to go and a part of you that did. Mm-hmm. And the the integrated allows all those parts to work together. And instead because you can have all these good reasons, but then there's there can be this other side that uses those reasons to kind of browbeat the mm-hmm. the part that doesn't isn't re- quite ready to go or is feeling resistance to going. And so mm-hmm. now you have these again, these split off parts that are kind of in conflict. Mm-hmm. And integrated is like where you you actually um kind of bring those parts of you into harmony and and so that you kind of you're doing the thing and not feeling much if any internal resistance. Mhm. How does that look? Well, the interesting thing is um it looks I think and feels a lot like intrinsic motivation. Mhm. You're just going to go do it. And I guess I guess for me, you know, my work with teens, you know, from the from the beginning, I kind of jokingly said, I don't hate going to work. You know, I don't mm-hmm. hate it. But I, I kind of liked it to a certain extent. But over the over the years, as I've gotten more and more effective and so that there's more a, a more of a sense of competence associated with it and. I've really understood like the importance of the relationships I'm building. You know, I I just and I don't want to jinx myself here, but I just I never like dread going to work or you know I'm I'm always so there's a certain um, harmony there, mm. and there is a deep satisfaction that comes from the work that I do. So that's part of it, but it's like it's a little bit different than. Um, pure, something that's purely intrinsic like you know that's just something that's just enjoyable it, it, it but it becomes it sort of becomes enjoyable and so mm-hmm. it's there's a different quality there it's it I don't know if that makes sense yeah no I think it does make sense I, I wonder if you thought thought about this from the perspective of a teenager Can you think of an example of how a teenager might be more, you know, sort of moving in this integrated way? Well, again, the the example I used when we, two episodes ago, when we talked about um, kids saying, I really don't want to do this, whatever Mm -hmm. this is, you know, studying for this test. I really don't want to do this. And then I would say, well, you don't have to. They, I mean, they're already, there's sort of multiple things going on there. They're worried about getting a bad grade. So mm-hmm. there's maybe an element, it's not quite a punishment, but it's like a negative re- reward. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they do, they are drawn towards getting those good grades. It'll, you know, feel better. So, and then there's also some very rational things of like, oh, I want to keep my options open for college. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's all these things going on, but but it's not fully integrated because there's a part of them also kind of pushing back on like, yeah, but I don't, I, I don't, this, this is meaningless to me, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't get why I'm supposed to do this. This just seems like busy work or, mm-hmm. um, or I'm not understanding this and this is really confusing. And so, so there's lots of reasons why 
or or just I would much rather be doing something else. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. There's lots of I mean reasons why. Um, but when I have that conversation with them and say, hey, you really don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. And then they that part of them comes around and says, yeah, but I, I really do want to do well mm-hmm. in this. It helps them integrate. Yeah. Okay, and, that and, makes sense. and so then all of a sudden they have more of them available to mm-hmm. apply to that task and less of them is kind of sitting there trying to self-sabotage and, and yeah. fight the process. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and it's like what we did do in that role play where we brought to conscious awareness the different parts so that I could then more effectively integrate them Yes. as well. Correct. You know, and I have found that since then that I am definitely when I'm thinking about going to the gym, I don't have the same drill sergeant sort of energy. Mm. And I definitely feel like I'm willing to consider that there are voices that want to be heard mm. and that need to be integrated in that way. Yeah. You know, and so it's been it's been a good it's really been good. I, I feel like I'm sweeter about it like that's the only word i can use it's like i have like a sweetness like i'm not doing the dragging yeah as much as i'm just like more gentle just more gentle yeah but there is a way that it seems like in order to integrate you do need to have um you need to call out those possible voices that are in there yeah and that reminds me of the need to it reminds me of the question that could be out there of like, well, how do we help our kids do this? And yeah. how do we even, I asked you a question before. What did I ask you? It was something like, well, how do I know the difference? Right. How do I know the difference with my kids of like, whether they're, whether it's like interjected or, oh, I know what I said to you was just that I think there are a lot of kids who believe that they are, um, are intrinsically motivated you know, like this, I'm doing my homework because I want to do my homework and I'm totally on board. But really, in some ways, they are swimming in a sea of peer pressure, sometimes unspoken, sometimes spoken, and maybe parental pressure that they've sort of internalized or in, it's interjected. And then I asked you the question of like, how do you know the difference? Do you remember what you said? Mm-mm. You said that you would ask the question. Right. Like, oh, of, right, right, like right. you'd ask the oh, kid right, the right, question right. Yes. of like, yeah. well, you know, are you doing this? How did you put the question? Do you remember? Well, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly how I put the question. It was, it, but it was something like, you know, what is motivating you to do yeah, this? Yeah, right, right. I mean, you can just to go to that, it. Yeah. yeah, because, because, you know, if they say, yeah, I really, you know, get a lot out of, I don't know. It, it, there's a different quality yeah. to it's not even so much sometimes it's what they say and sometimes it's how they say it yeah but but you can feel i can feel when i have that conversation with a student whether they're doing it because they're feeling compelled to mm-hmm. or because they're being because they're it's it's an expression of confidence or yeah. or of ability yeah um there's so many things that this is making me think and i one it was like well okay one thing is if we if we start with ourselves i think it's as we've said before can be really helpful because we there's a lot to learn we can benefit from it but we can also learn about these different distinctions and see them um in play 
in our own lives and then get more clear about them with our kids. Um, I think one helpful idea to try on is to prioritize if you if you're really interested in 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 this stuff like i am um (laughs) to try on the idea of prioritizing the integration process over the outcome of Mm. the situation Mm. so like if your goal is to get yourself to go to the gym and you end. You can say, "Oh, I don't have time to sit there and let all the different parts of myself have room to speak because I'll never even get to the gym." And I, what I would, I would argue is that that might actually be true. Yeah. And but but if you if you really want to learn about this these different kinds of motivation, allowing for that to actually possibly happen one or two times or three times even where you like really go deep i think once the integration happens it's sort of a longer term win because then you are gonna be motivated in a different way going forward and i think it's also nice because that you use it in one context and then you kind of start to understand that process in general yeah and so that's, I think, really helpful. Yeah. And it's an incredibly self-loving approach. You mm-hmm. know, it's really an honoring. I think there's so much resistance to if I don't, if I don't just demand of myself to do this, we don't trust ourselves yeah. that we will. Yeah. And we also don't trust our children that they will. Yeah. That they, you know, that there's an, an, an there's an internal desire yeah. to do things that also we have an inner conflict with that we do we can have both that we and there's a beautiful thing about holding the many or maybe two parts of us that are in conflict and my invitation to uh to piggyback on your invitation is to journal it Hmm. to write it out i mean you don't have to have a journal but a piece of paper can really be helpful because i find when i'm doing work that is my parts work sometimes it's hard for me to do it by myself like it was really helpful for you to do it with me to hold that space with me so if you have someone who can do that with you that's awesome if that isn't available to you i find journaling allows me to um, ask an actual question as if as if it was someone else asking me one you know like well what part of me wants to go to the gym and then write about that Mm -hmm. you know or what part of me you know what what is the other part what are the other parts have to say you know and asking those kinds of questions to myself while journaling often gets better results than trying to do it all in my head where I can just kind of get a little bit distracted by it. Yeah. And you can go back and kind of see the record of the different yeah. things you're thinking in the, in the in the process. Yeah. And probably see patterns, you know, yeah. in, with other oh. things that we do and don't want to do. Cool. Yeah. So journal or write. Yeah, journal or write, and to in, and that I think is an integrating process just in general. Mm-hmm. But in this particular instance, it could be integrative as it relates to you know specifically motivating ourselves. Yes. Okay. So we're we're coming up to the end here. I want to do a quick recap. Let's do it. And basically, this continuation. Sorry, 
this continuum of motivation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They kind of blend them there. We don't have enough time to say both words. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it runs from a motivation on the far left side of the graphic to intrinsic motivation. And, and, And along the way, there's all these gradations of of extrinsic motivation and um, a motivation is just lack of motivation and then it goes to external regulation which is being kind of controlled by others then there is what we talked a lot about introjected motivation which is when we take that outside coercion and internalize it so it looks like we're super self-motivated but we're actually it's still an external form and then we get we cross the midway line and come to what they call identified regulation and i think the reason they call it that is because there is an element where once we value something we kind of identify it's like part Mm -hmm. of our identity it's like yeah i do i am the kind of person who thinks it's important to work out or whatever and so it, it it does align with us but it hasn't been fully integrated yet. Mm-hmm. There are other parts of our identity that are maybe not on board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then that's the, the final stage of ex- extrinsic motivation, which is to really integrate all the pieces mm-hmm. and let them kind of find that that harmonious inner relating aspect. And then, of course, on the far side, fully fully internal is this intrinsic motivation just doing things because they are enjoyable yeah so that's the 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 overview um of this of the continuum yeah good recap thank you and what was fascinating is to to see that when two episodes ago when we decided spontaneously to do a little role play mm-hmm. about this and then i didn't even appreciate i didn't actually understand what integrated mm. regulation fully was I, yeah. I really didn't i i've still been until today i was still having like a little bit of like confusion sure. between sure. them and um but at the time i even you know i was using words about parts and these different these different yeah. pieces of myself and then to have it come together today kind of full circle to actually seeing that this integrated regulation is literally taking those many different pieces of ourselves and then integrating them into something that feels a little more cohesive and yeah. feels like it's like we can we can kind of own it yeah that's, that's really cool. awesome yeah. <laughs> you know it actually i had a, a parallel process where i feel like I have a better understanding of it too having watched you kind of go through that so I'm right there with you yeah yeah I mean this is such deep stuff it, there's a lot to learn and um so so anyway I guess uh yeah I mean we're still learning we're still learning and I want to just remind everyone that this is the first the first conversation, but not the last conversation that we're going to have about motivation. And that um, if anyone has any specific questions that they're grappling with as it relates to motivating their child or, or their own motivation, we can use those as examples in the future. And then, and then integrate the theory in a possible discussion yes. about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
so yeah that we we welcome we welcome questions and mm-hmm. challenges and mm-hmm. i mean there's there's a thing that happens that when we hear new theories oftentimes the parts you know that we'll have voices that say oh that's wrong for that reason or that reason and mm-hmm. occasionally that's an accurate thing but more often than not if 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 you voice those and give give us a chance to respond it's actually a really helpful opportunity to clarify what we're trying to say or bring in elements that we haven't said because there's just so much to talk about and um and so they're they're great learning opportunities potentially yeah Yeah. that's great so right so even specific questions or like like irritations or criticisms or resistances like those are helpful because i'm gonna guess that if someone else if if one person's having it many people are so it's a worthy conversation it's kind of like the idea that there's no stupid question it's like there's no reaction that it doesn't warrant some sort of conversation it's valid yeah yeah all right so thanks everyone for being a part of this yeah we appreciate your support your attention and and your commitment to the journey of learning how to be the best possible parent you can be and Mm -hmm. and um the happiest healthiest person for yourself that you can be yeah yeah all right i guess it's a wrap we'll see you next time see you next time